welcome back to the 24 podcast. My name is Mark Sieverkraut. This week, instead of Josh, is going to be Joel. And we've mentioned Joel a couple times on the podcast. He is the unofficial president of the Bring Back Tony Revolution. And I think, Joel, you're also the CEO and founding member. Is that correct? Yes, it is. I am the CEO, the founding member, and right now I am the card-carrying member of the Bring Back Tony Revolution. Well, I, th- I think Josh and I might be honorary members, right? Well, yeah, you're, you're, you're unofficial, unofficial members, just like I'm the unofficial president. So. Okay, that works. Well, Joel, we're, we're so happy to have you on the, the podcast this week, and, and uh, thanks so much for taking the time to do it. Yeah, well, I've actually I've actually wanted to be on the podcast since I first started listening to it. So I've, I've I figured, you know, with with my revolution for Bring Back Tony, I figured it was only a matter of time before I eventually made my way onto the podcast. That's right. So we wanted to have Joel here this week, and we wanted to talk a little bit about, of course, the uh, Bring Back Tony revolution. We also wanted to um, get Joel's perspective on season one, and maybe some things that we missed or some things that. That he noticed because uh, Joel's told us that he's watched. What did you say? You've watched every every season, three, four, five times, twelve times. How many has it been? I've I've, I've watched all hundred and ninety four episodes at least four times. Does does that and, does that include the made for TV movie? That includes the made for TV movie. Yes. <laughs> okay, just making sure. <laughs> cool. Well, let's uh, let's go ahead and start off. I know the the first episode, Josh and I talked about how we started watching Twenty Four. So, Joel, how did you start watching Twenty Four? Well, it was actually my father got me hooked on Twenty Four because at first I saw the previews and it didn't really appeal to me right off the bat just by looking at the previews for it. But my dad had kind of convinced me to sit down and actually watch the episode. And once I started watching the episodes, I started, I started, you know, getting into it, wondering what's going to happen next, because every every episode left you with a cliffhanger that would make you want to tune in the next week. Right. So I kind of I, I, I gave him the, the opportunity to let me watch one episode. So I watched one episode just to give it a chance. But the cliffhanger made me want to tune in next week to see the next episode. <laughs> So, and it just kind of it just kind of spiraled from there. So did you start right from the beginning, or was it a few a few seasons in when you started watching? It was, um, I think I started watching season three when okay. uh, Chloe came in. Oh, okay. And then had to jump and, back and finish. Jump. jump yeah, back and then and I and then I went back and, and caught up on the other two seasons. Okay. There's a lot of people that did it that way. I've noticed. That's the way I was. I know Josh was the same way. Seems yeah, see, season season one. When you watch season one, it's completely one hundred percent different than all the yep. other seven seasons. Right. Like season one, there's no there's no bomb, there's no nuke, there's no virus, there's there's none of that in season one. <laughs> That's <laughs> it's true. completely different from all the other seasons. True. So uh, yeah, let's jump into um, let's jump into season one a little bit. You know, Josh and I spent, uh, what, three episodes talking about the characters and talking about the plot lines. Um, was there anything that we missed that, that you would think would be important uh, for the audience to know about season one? Um, 
you want me to tell you about the whole season or just the first half that y'all went over? Uh, both sides, both ends, just season one in general. Well, really, I was I was telling a friend of mine this the other day. If if season one, because I remember you said that originally it was supposed to be thirteen episodes, right? And then they eventually picked up the other eleven. Mm-hmm. Had twenty four stopped after those thirteen episodes, like it was originally supposed to do. I don't think too many people would have been happy with 24. Right. Because those first 13 episodes, if it would have ended, if it would have ended there, it would have left a bad taste in, in a lot of people's mouths because there wasn't that one big moment where you, where you were like, you know, one of those Holy crap moments Yeah. that, that you're like, okay, this has got staying power. Right. Nothing. You know, nothing, it, had, nothing. It, it had a bunch of good moments, it just didn't have that one defining moment of the season. Right. And there was nothing to say, oh, wow, I have to watch next season. Yeah, it, exactly. So had they not picked up those other 11 episodes, 24 may have been one season and done. Right. Because well, in, the, in the second half of the season, there was a bunch of, of moments that, that felt surreal. You know, what are those, a bunch of holy crap moments. Uh-huh. But the first, the first season is... The first season didn't really have too many of those. I mean, yet it it was good toward the end when when Jack and his family were rescued and happily ever after and all that. But up until that point, there wasn't one defining moment in that first half that made you say, "Okay, this is going to be around for a while." Right. That's true. I I hadn't thought of it that way, but yeah, you're right. It does kind of seem, and I think we mentioned that when we started talking about the second half that a lot happens in that second half and it seems like they really pick it up as far as the storyline and, and things going on and twists and and everything else it really seems to to really ramp up i guess after season thir- or episode 13 i i think i think what they want what they wanted to do is they wanted to play it safe through those first 13 <laughs> episodes to try to try to get it picked up and then what and then once they got it picked up for those other 11 episodes then they decided to go all out. Mm-hmm. Okay, okay, we got a full season of this now, so let's go all out and pull out all the stops. Okay, now we Not- can kill Terry, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. And 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 to be and to be honest, the whole twenty four season, I could not stand Harry Bauer. Oh, really? I couldn't. I could not stand Harry Bauer because from the first episode when she first appeared, all the way up until episode twenty four when she died. You never saw Terry happy, not one time. That's true. Terry was always complaining about something. Whether it was in the first episode when she was complaining to Jack about Kim giving her the cold shoulder. Right. Or the last episode when she was complaining to Mason even after Mason told her that Jack was fine. And she's still and she's still trying to find something to complain about. So to be to be honest, I was waiting for somebody to kill her the whole twenty four episodes. <laughs> <laughs> Just get it over with and get it out of the way so I can enjoy twenty four. Right. <laughs> because when I when I went back and watched it on Netflix, I found myself fast forwarding through every single Terry Bauer segment. Oh wow. <laughs> and let and let unless unless Jack was in the segment with her. Right. I would I would not watch Terry and Kim segment. Okay. Like the whole the whole the whole segments with Terry and Nina at the safe house and the interviews, I fast forwarded through all that. <laughs> I mean, once once I watched it enough to know to be able to know what happens during those scenes, 
once I knew all that, you were done I fast-forwarded through those things. Gotcha. I was done. Because gotcha. Terry's just got that annoying voice. Yeah. That just that just makes you that just makes you want to. It's like nails on a blackboard. So <laughs> I, just, I just couldn't I couldn't take Terry. So I mean Terry. Even though Twenty Four has a tendency of sometimes bringing back dead characters, you're not going to start a bring back Terry revolution. Is that correct? Unfortunately, <laughs> I'm not going to start a bring back Terry revolution. I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna leave that to you and Josh <laughs> to start that revolution for me. No, I, I think it's been too many years. It, it seems like well, this is a side note a little bit, but. Seems like you mentioned to us on Twitter that it's been it'll be what eighteen years from the beginning of the first season in I guess real time. Well, I went I went on Wikipedia, okay, and looked and looked up twenty four, and they had the breakdown of all the seasons, and they also had the breakdown of how much how much time had elapsed between mm-hmm. each season. Sure. So, I went and added up all that time. And then I added the extra four years that Howard Gordon says will have passed between season eight and season nine coming up. Right. So when you add those four years in, it will be 18 years and four months real time since the death of Terry Bauer. Wow. Yeah, it, it's been long enough. She doesn't need to come back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I don't think she would have been able to stay in hiding for, for 18 years right. and four months. Right. And it will also have been... Um, if they do bring back Tony, it will have been 10 years and 10 months since the death of Michelle Dessler. Wow. Crazy. So let's do, uh, let's, as we're going through this first season, let's do kind of what Josh and I did. And let me give you some characters. And I'd love to hear if, if you were to describe them in one word, what would you use? Okay. So I think we've covered Terry. Um, let's start with Jack. That's an important one. So how would you describe Jack? In season one, I would describe Jack as conflicted. Okay. Um, he 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 always wanted to do the right thing, but with Jack, his family comes before anything. Mm-hmm. His family comes first, so he's conflicted with, you know, saving the president's life or saving his family's life throughout the, throughout the entire season. Right. Well, and I think that that conflict, you know, caused some issues between him and Tony as well. You know, Tony didn't really understand that, you know, I'm going to, you know, try to save my family part, it seemed like. Yeah, Tony Tony didn't realize that until Jack had been detained. After Terry and Kim were safe, that's when Tony realized why Jack did what he did. Right. And that that seemed like the starting of, of the mutual respect uh, relationship that they they had through the seasons. Yeah, and and it's it's like you know me and you talked uh, the other day, and I told you that throughout the entire season, I thought Tony was the mole. Yeah, to be honest, mm-hmm. I thought I thought Nina was gonna be in the Jamie Farrell role, and it was it was gonna disguise for Tony being revealed as the mole in the end. Mm-hmm. But there was one there was one line in, in season fourteen. I mean not season fourteen, episode fourteen. I hope we get to season fourteen. Let's cross our fingers. <laughs> yes, yeah, me too. <laughs> but it was it was episode fourteen. Jack had been detained and Chappelle had called Tony into the office because he said Tony was the most impartial direct observer of last night's events. Mm-hmm. So what happens with Jack will basically depend on Tony's testimony. Right, and and Tony just cut him off right there, and he said, "Let me let me save you some time, Mister Chappelle." Mm-hmm. 
I'm not the biggest fan of Jack Bauer. <laughs> <laughs> I, don't, I don't I don't I don't like the way he delegates authority and I don't agree with the way he runs operations. Right. And then he goes, but since midnight last night, you won't get me to disagree with a single action he's taken. Wow. And I think and I think that line right there was the beginning of the eventual friendship between Tony and Jack. Right. And that was that was a big change for Tony from, you know, some of the disagreements he'd had with Jack throughout the first, you know, few few episodes. That was a big change for him to come back and say I I'm not going to disagree with anything he did. Yeah, because because Tony Tony's very in the first season, Tony was very by the book. Right. You know, he 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 was he was strict, he was by the book. He wanted everything to be done according to plan. Right. But Tony Tony's also a human being. Mm-hmm. You know, he's once he found out that Jack's family was at risk, he knew that he couldn't he couldn't go against Jack because he knew that Jack was doing what he felt was right. Right. Because Tony Tony doesn't really have any personal problem with Jack. Mm-hmm. I mean, to, I mean to be honest. The only reason Tony had a problem with Jack was because he was sleeping with Nina. Right. <laughs> I mean, if you, if you, if you, if you want to je- get right down to it, Tony was dating Nina. He was jealous, and, that's right. and he was jealous that Nina still had feelings for Jack. Right. So that that that's what harbored most of the animosity between them. Mm-hmm. And the fact that but, Nina was helping Jack so much. Yeah, he Nina was still helping Jack, even though Jack was going against the rules, and going against the the system. To do what he had to do, Nina was still helping him. Right. And Tony, I, and Tony, I think he was afraid that Nina was going to get caught up in. Right. And Nina was probably going to get in trouble, just like Jack will. Well, I'd say Nina caught up in it. So. Yeah, eventually <laughs> she did, but. <laughs> she she may have done that to herself. I think. Yeah, and 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 the look when when Nina was finally revealed as the mole. In the final episode, mm-hmm. the look the look on Tony's face as she was being handcuffed told the entire story. Right. I mean the 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 dejected look because remember Tony came running out with Mason. Yep. To try to convince Jack not to shoot her. Right. He was the one across the car saying, "Don't do it." Yeah. He 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 was like, "Don't do it." So as soon as soon as she was being arrested, the look on Tony's face, the dejected look that he had, so told the entire story. Right. So let's uh, if you were to describe uh, Senator Palmer, what's your feelings on Senator Palmer? Senator Palmer, um, I would say if I had one word to describe him, I would say family. Okay. Because he 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 always wanted to protect his family, like he wanted to be president. Right. He wanted that, and I think that's where him and, and Sherry differ because Sherry was was really more concerned about his candidacy. Right. Whereas Senator Palmer was more concerned about his family. Right. And one one of my biggest gripes with Twenty Four the first season was there was no um they kind of spoiled the ending as far as the presidency goes. Right. Because. During the entire first season, you knew Senator Palmer was running for president, mm-hmm. but you didn't know who he was running against, right? Because <laughs> we never we never saw who he was running against. Yep. 
So when when you see when you see the fact that Senator Palmer was the only person, the only candidate that you saw the entire first season, you knew that he eventually he was going to get elected president. Correct. And one one of the key one of the key things I think was was kind of was kind of neat in future seasons is during season one, George Mason when he was talking to Jack the first time, he told Jack that you know if Senator Palmer gets elected, he's going to gut this agency. Right. And I think and I think Senator Palmer's um, eventual friendship with Jack is the main reason that he didn't gut CTU. Right. When he became president. Right. And I think, and I think that was something to to kind of look at in future seasons. How eventually, you know, he wanted to gut CTU, and then eventually CTU became his main resource. Right. I I completely agree. I thought I've always thought that was interesting too. After going back and watching it this time, and 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 remembering that comment that Mason Mason gives, and then realizing that wow, you know, he really changed his stance on that. And I think you're right. I think a lot of it was, you know, he he knew Jack, and he knew the type of people that were running CTU, that Jack was a patriot, that he did care about the country. You know, he wasn't just, you know, some cowboy off, you know, ready to destroy everything. And it's, yeah, and I, th- and, and I think that's the reason that he didn't, that he didn't gut CTU was because he knew, he knew that CTU was a resource based on the, the events of day one. Right. Right. So it's been, that's always been interesting to me. And I think I mentioned in, in previous episodes that, one of the things I love about 24 is that the way the characters evolve and the way um, when they're presented with new information, you see them process that and see them change because of the new information or because of the new circumstances, you know, and just, you know, how true to life that is, how, you know, when, when we're presented with different circumstances, we do change and we do adjust how we look at things. And you see every single character do that, you know, throughout the seasons, whether it's Jack or Tony or, or Senator Palmer, or, or any of them, they all do that. So yeah, and 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 I and I, I agree with that. And the main the main thing with Jack and Tony is they make it feel real. Like they go through real everyday problems, right? To make to make you understand the character. Like I, I've said this all along: no character, including Jack, no character evolved much as much character wise throughout the the all the seasons as much as Tony. Right. Because you think in season one, you know, Tony was basically, he was basically a lackey. Mm-hmm. You know, he, 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 he did things for Nina. He did things for Jack. He did things for Mason. He was always doing things for other people. Right. So season, season one, you know, if you wanted to go to season one and season two, you would think Tony would probably be one of those guys that would get replaced. Right. You know, he, he was one of the extras basically. Yeah, he was listed. He wasn't even listed as top build cast, but he certainly <laughs> certainly became. And and see, in season two, you start to see Tony rise up. You know, he was rose up. I think he rose up to to director in season two. I believe. I think you're right. Yeah. And season two, he rose up to director. So his character had evolved to, you know, now he's not taking orders from anybody else. Now he's the one giving them. Yeah, he's the leader, right? And in season in season three, he was still director. But in season three, I think you start to see a bit of foreshadowing as to what will become of him in season seven. Right. Because he was still in charge, but he was more of an edgier Tony Almeida. Right. You know, he still wanted to do the right thing, 
but at the same time his his love for Michelle which had developed in season two and they were married by season three right so the love that he had for Michelle overshadowed the love that he had for CTU right and his country so he was arrested for treason in season three yeah I believe it was yeah it was season three right and season and you know season four that's when Tony that's when Tony was real bitter you know he was he he didn't care about anybody mm-hmm. you know Michelle Michelle had left him Palmer and Jack were the ones that got him out of jail but he didn't seem very grateful for that <laughs> when he was talking to when he was talking to Jack right but he felt that saving Jack's life repaid that debt right but then, but then you saw Tony's conscience kind of take over when Jack was about to go out on his own, and Tony was like, "It'd be pretty stupid for me to save your life and then let you die." Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. So, and then season season five was his last appearance before he was quote unquote brought back. Right. And season five is, I think that I think that was when Tony had finally gotten fed up with the government. Yeah. Because Christopher Henderson was the one behind, or the one we thought was the mastermind behind the the death of Michelle, mm-hmm. and Tony was upset because nobody was doing anything about it. Right. So Tony finally took matters into his own hands, but then you saw again his conscience took over right. when he was getting ready when he was getting ready to stab Henderson, his conscience took over and he couldn't do it. Right. And then eventually we all thought that he had gotten stabbed and died. Right. And so I think Tony is the most evolved character of any of the 24 characters, Mm -hmm. Jack included. Correct. Yeah, Jack hasn't really – he changed a little bit, but he doesn't really change a ton. You know, he kind of stays that same, you know, I'm going to do everything I can to protect the country. And sometimes I'll break a few eggs to make the omelet, but – there's there's really two things you can guarantee from Jack in every season. <laughs> he's gonna say damn it. Is that one of them? <laughs> yeah, he's gonna he's gonna say damn it. But one <laughs> one thing is, you know he you know he's gonna catch the bad guy in the end. Right. And you know that he's gonna go against the government to do it. Correct. Because the government's those are the stupid. Two, those are the two things you know that's gonna happen to Jack in every season. Right. Because some... in every season, in every season, at some point. He goes against the government to do something. Right. Makes somebody mad. <laughs> Whether it be CTU or the president or um, Chappelle, whatever whatever the reason is, in every season he always does something to go against the government. Right. Well, and it's it's interesting. You know, you shared with me the, uh, the um, extra from the end of the very last season, season eight. And it struck it stuck out to me that when the FBI agent is talking to Chloe – and Chloe basically says, well, I'm not helping you. And he kind of makes some comment along the lines of, I'm surprised with a guy like Jack Bauer that you would protect him. And that was basically what he was hinting at is, look, every time we turn around, this guy is going against the government. Every time we turn yeah. around, he's doing something that he's not supposed to be doing. Why would you protect this man? You know, and, and it's, uh, you know, that's kind of like you said, that's that's just you understand that he's OK with going against the government when he thinks the government's not doing the right thing. Yes, and and that's and that's the big thing is Jack, it's 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 like Chloe said in that extra, Jack did the things that nobody else had the guts to do. Right. You know he always he always did the right thing. Right. Like even even if he went against the government to do it, 
at the end of the day, he always did the right thing. Right. He never he never did anything to disgrace the the United States or disgrace the government. He just went outside the government to do what needed to be done. Right. And he and he always did it by himself. Yep. Like you you you'll you'll notice he always absolved uh, President Palmer mm-hmm. or CTU of knowledge of anything that he was doing. That way, if he got in trouble doing it, it wouldn't come back on one of them. Right. So he he always did it to make sure that the government never held any responsibility for it. Mm-hmm. You know, and I think that's an important part about Jack too. Is is a lot of times people will point out, well, you know, he was just he was rogue, or you know, he did all these things horribly wrong. But you never get the sense that he wasn't willing to accept responsibility for what he did. You know, he he never felt like, well, I did this and I shouldn't be punished for it. You know, over and over again, it's like, you know, well, I'll turn myself in and I'll I'll accept the responsibility for doing these things. You know, it's it's not like he he felt like he was he knew he was breaking rules and he knew that there would be consequences for breaking those rules. But he also he also felt that he was willing to sacrifice himself and perhaps his freedom, you know, for doing that. And he was okay with that. And I think that shows a lot of, I guess, um, moral fortitude, I guess you could say. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, he always he always was willing to accept the responsibility of the things he had done. Right. Like and and see in season three when when he had to break Ramon Salazar out of prison. Yeah. Um, and he had he had to do it. He called President Palmer, and President Palmer was like, "Jack, if you do this, I won't be able to help you." And Jack was like, "I know that, Mr. President. This will be my last assignment." Right. So he was—he had already accepted that this was, that was probably going to be his last assignment, and he was mm-hmm. probably going to go to jail for it. Right. He had already accepted that, but he knew that it's what had to be done right. to take down the Salazars. Right. He knew that's what had to be done. Right. You know, I, yeah, that's—and I, I think that's why everybody likes Jack so much. I think that's why 24, I think, is as, as successful as it is. Because of that mentality of, you know, taking responsibility and doing the hard things, even at the detriment to yourself, which is, you know, obviously what happened to him over and over again, um, you know, between people dying and people being killed because of him and, you know, being tortured or being arrested or whatever happens. You know, he was always was, willing to take that, take that, I guess, consequence. Yeah, and it was, it was, it was always... It's like it's like me and you talked about the other day. Jack and Tony were similar in so many ways, right? Because the government had screwed them over so many times, right? The only difference between Jack and Tony is, eventually, Tony gave in to the pressure, right? And eventually, you know, said to hell with the government and rebelled against it. <laughs> where, right. where, where, whereas Jack, whereas Jack refused to rebel against the government, right? Up until season eight, of course, but up until that point, Jack had resisted every opportunity to rebel against the government, despite the fact that he had plenty of opportunity. I mean, if you if you remember correctly, the pre the president of the United States gave up Jack to be killed yeah. in exchange for in exchange for capturing a terrorist. Correct. So if the the government if the government gives me up to be killed in exchange for a terrorist, I'm not really going to be eager to fight for the country that's about to give me up. Not a lot of loyalty, right? (laughs) Yeah, so 
Jack, and, and despite that, Jack still found a way to fight for the government. Right. Right. Even even the, even though the president that gave him up is President Wayne Palmer. Right. The brother the brother of the president that he would have given his life for for Correct. years. Correct. So I thought that I thought that was a strange bit of irony. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> So, because uh, you you knew David wouldn't have been in that same position, no, David wouldn't have done it. No, you know you had, you had David and, and and you know jumping back to season one, it, one of the one of the scenes that I really loved was at the end after the failed assassination attempt with the phone, when you know Palmer's laying low and they're letting the the news report that you know reports are that he's dead, you know, or he was seriously wounded, whatever it was. I love the the scene with him and Sherry with Pres- Elder, or Senator Palmer and Sherry when she's saying you can't do this you know the 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 media is not going to allow you to do this it's not going to work you're going to lose your presidency and basically Palmer says you know what he saved my life and I am not endangering his daughter's life and I, and I to me that was one of the defining moments of Senator Palmer and his morals was again like you said it shows what he puts most important and that's that's family, whether it's his or somebody else's. You know, he was not willing to, I guess, solidify his campaign in or if it involved possibly killing Jack's daughter. And to me, you know, that was one of those defining moments. And there was a few in season one that that really, for me, defined who Senator Palmer was and the type of man he was. What What, what were your feelings on that? On that well, I, scene? I, I, th- I think well, that particular scene was defined what what Senator Palmer was throughout the entire season. Right. That was a perfect definition of Senator Palmer throughout the entire season. Right. Because he wanted he wanted to be president. He wanted to be president so bad. But he was not going to be president at the expense of others. Right. Or at the expense of, or at the expense of his family or someone else's. If Senator Palmer would have became president and Kim would have died, I don't think Senator Palmer would have been able to live with himself. Right. So I think season from season, I mean, from season from episode 14 on, I think that was when we really started to, we got glimpses of it in the first half of the season, but I think the second half of the season is when we really got into a glimpse of who Sherry Palmer really was. Oh, geez. Yeah, I, I completely <laughs> agree. I, Cause season, the first half of the season, we, we saw little bits and pieces of it, but I think, from episode 14 on she really started to sink her teeth into the senator's campaign right for for better or worse right and i think that was the that was as as the season went on you saw senator palmer get more and more frustrated with sherry's antics right like eventually he was like family comes first and everything like that but as the season went on you start you started to see him care less and less and less about Sherry Palmer. Well, and I think you saw the the evolution of that to where he starts realizing, wow, she's been going behind my back. You know, she's been hiding these things. And then you see him, I mean, it, it seems like over and over again, he's giving her opportunities. You know, he confronts her about it. He gives her an opportunity to say, okay, I'm on board. You know, I, I'm sorry. I screwed up. You know, there's the time right before, was it right before the press conference, I think, when he uh, talks about Keith where he basically says, hey, if we stay together as a family, you know, we can make it through anything. And he looks at Keith and Keith nods and he looks at 
Um, oh, Nicole, right? That's her name. Yeah. Her daughter. Yeah, that... Looks at Nicole and she nods and, and then he looks at Sherry and Sherry's looking down. And he says, Sherry, you know, basically saying, right, you know, we're on the same page and, and she won't look at him. You know, and, and he, it just seems like over and over again he's trying to give her an opportunity. He's trying to forgive her and say, look, we can move on from this. We can, you know, stay together as a family. And, and over and over again she just kind of not even really backstabs him, just, you know, kind of has a little bit of disdain almost, I think. And and I think, was it that episode where they're all eating dinner that really it comes to a head when she says, you know, it tells Keith, you're just like your father. You know, you're weak. You don't, you know, you, you're so worried about being a bleeding heart, you know, care about everybody that, that you can't do the hard things. You know, I, I think that's when, when Palmer realizes this isn't going to work. She's not going to change. She's not going to, she doesn't feel bad for the way that she's doing things. Um, you know, and I think it's interesting, like you said, to see how Sherry really, I guess, comes out as the type of person she is in that second half of the season to the point of, go ahead. No, I, I, I was going to say, I think the breaking point was shortly shortly after that scene that we right. were talking about, after, after um, you know, everybody believed that Palmer was dead. Mm-hmm. I think the breaking point was when it was, it was found out that Sherry had leaked to the media that Senator Palmer was alive. Right. And Senator Palmer saw it on the television, and you could see you could see it in his face that, you know, it was about to hit the fan. Right. That he that he was about to just snap. Well, and and it was and, interesting because the look on his face was partly you know pissed off, but it was partly, I think, a, a lot of pain. You know, it was kind of a realization in him accepting that, you know, this is who she is, and I I think there I, was I think there was a lot of sadness in that as well. Yeah, I, th- I think I think that will I think that was the point, and you, you even saw it in Mike Nowitz's face. Like right. he he closed he closed his eyes and had that not again look on his face. <laughs> <laughs> and so, some of Mike Nowitz's reactions were priceless. Oh yeah, but when when he turned the TV on and and Senator Palmer saw it, you know he closed his eyes for a minute as if to say I think that was his realization that that's when it came to a head that this marriage isn't going to work. Right. And when he went, and when he went in there, that, that see, that was one of the, the Holy crap moments I was telling you about. Yeah. When he, when he went in there and busted that door open <laughs> and scared and scared Sherry half to death. Right. And the, the fire and the passion that was in his voice. And he was like, so, so help me if that child dies. Right. And then, you know, knocking the vase against the wall and everything like that. That was, <laughs> I think that was when you knew that that marriage wasn't going to last the season. Right. You you knew that before the season was over, there was going to be some kind of payoff. Yeah. To that to that disagreement. Yep. And I I think you know I want to go back to to episode fourteen. When when we're talking about the friendship between David Palmer and Jack, mm-hmm. if you remember through the first half of the season, Palmer thought Jack was trying to kill him. Right. Right. Palmer thought Jack was one of the was one of the hitters. Mm-hmm. So. Palmer had Palmer had said that he'd had enough, so he had Mike Novit look into the name Jack Bauer. Right. And then that's when Mike Novit let him know that, you know, Jack Bauer was the agent in the Kosovo mission. Correct. That you that you authorized. Yeah. The only one that survived, so, so we think. Yeah. So 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 we thought at the time he was the only one that survived. <laughs> Spoiler alert for later up ep- later seasons, folks. <laughs> 
Yeah, just 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 to let everybody know. That's right. Um, and and Palmer had decided that you know they were on the way to the airport at the time. Mm-hmm. So he had decided to basically make a U-turn and go to CTU to to because he wanted to find out from Jack who he was working for and why he wanted to kill him. Right. And I think when um when Tony went to to the room that Jack was being detained in and told him that Mr. Chappelle wanted to see him in the conference room. You know, you know, you notice he said Mr. Chappelle. He didn't say Senator Palmer. Right. I thought that was one of the that was one of the key things that made the moment even better. Is Tony didn't let him know that Senator Palmer was in the conference room. And then Jack's look when he walks in. <laughs> yeah, when 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 Jack when Jack walked in because he was looking around CTU, and then when he walked in the conference room and he turned around and saw Senator Palmer, and you and you see Palmer turn around and he had that stoic look on his face, like right. that stone faced look. Right. And Palmer and and Jack had one of those, holy crap! <laughs> <laughs> right. The senator, the senator is in the room with me. You know what did I, what did I do? Well, and it, it kind of, of it kind of gives you the feeling that, you know, if there was a backstory to it, that Palmer was respected as a guy that you didn't screw around with, that he expected you to tell him what what was going on, and he wasn't going to play around. He wasn't going to dance around the issue. He was just going to tell you straight. Because that's the sense that you got when from Jack's face that, like you said, when he looked over, it's like, oh crap, what did I do? You know, for for the senator to show up, what's going on? <laughs> it, it, exactly, and I think, and not not to downplay the importance of the music that was playing. Right, right. You know, the the the, mu- the music sets the scene most of the time during during the twenty four seasons. Correct. And the music that was playing when when Palmer and Jack first met for the first time it, w- it was like it set the stage for what the scene what the scene would entail right and and jack look looking across you know his mouth had dropped i think for the first time in the entire season jack didn't know what to say <laughs> right I, I think you're right yeah <laughs> he, he was like senator he was like senator palmer and i think and when when jack was explaining when jack was explaining to himself you you could tell that Jack was was upset because you know he had to catch himself. Yeah. He started to yell. He had to catch himself because he was getting emotional and upset. Mm-hmm. And then when he explained that the reason he did that was because his family was being taken hostage, and he had to do that or his family was going to be killed. And you look at Senator Palmer's face. He was he was like, "Wow, nobody told me that." Right. <laughs> I just I just thought you were here to kill me. Right. Nobody nobody told me that your family was being held hostage. That would have been useful information. <laughs> <laughs> and the, and the, and the, and then you could and then you could tell that Jack kind of knew. Right. He was like nobody nobody told you that when you got here, did they, sir? Right. And he was and he was and he was like no, they didn't. And Jack had this look on his face like I kind of figured that. Yeah. <laughs> I think in his so, back of his mind he's like I'm going to kill Chappelle, I'm going to kill Mason. He's freaking idiots. <laughs> That that that's pretty much what he was thinking <laughs> in the back of his mind. Was you know it doesn't surprise me that Ryan Chappelle, who wants me out of here, right. did not tell you that information. Right. You know, and I I think it seems to me as I'm looking back on season one, and and I think if, as we watch the other seasons, we'll find the same thing. But there's really moments that really define characters, and, and you can really pinpoint moments that say, okay, that's what so and so's like, and you can say that's where that they changed. And for me, one of the defining moments was right there in that room because, you know, we talked in earlier episodes about 
um, Jack's respect for the presidency and for the country. You know, and we we mentioned you know when he talks to uh, Senator Senator President Taylor, much much later, was it episode or season seven, when he says basically you know with all due respect you know ask around if you want to know where my loyalties lie. And, yeah, that, and I, was, that was season seven. Yeah. Okay. And then I you know I mentioned in an earlier episode that you know Jack does have he meant it you know when he says with all due respect he means it you know he does have a lot of respect for the presidency and. And I think you learned that right in that room with him and Palmer. Because like you said, he was. He was getting fired up because he's being accused of all these things. You know, basically Palmer said, look, you, you blame me for all of your men dying. And Jack's just like, what? You know, to him, that went against everything everything that he believed about leadership, that you would blame somebody else for his men dying. You know, he looked at his, yeah, you sent me there, but I was the one in charge of that mission. I was the one that if anybody's going to be blamed, it'll be me. You know, and so he was defensive because he was being blamed and accused of, you know, trying to kill a presidential candidate when he had no intentions of ever accusing anybody of the failure of that mission. You know, and he catches himself. And you can tell the respect that he has, um, I partially for the man, but I think more so for um, him as a senator and a presidential candidate, the way that he stops himself and, and rephrases what he says. And how he says it to explain why things happened that day. And, and it to me, that was one of the defining moments that showed me, you know, who Jack Bauer was as far as his respect for, you know, authority. Which is interesting because he's always couched as that guy that doesn't respect authority. But I think he does. I think he really, really respects the office of the president and really respects those institutions. It's just sometimes the people in them that he doesn't respect quite as much. <laughs> Yeah, he, he always respects the presidency. He always respects the institution. And it's that respect that makes Jack realize that because of who they are and the position that they hold, they necessarily can't do some of the things that need to be done right. in order to preserve the country's safety. Right. And I think that's why Jack takes it upon himself because he's prepared to accept the consequences. Right. If he if he if he goes to jail for the rest of his life, but he ends up, he ends up saving the country from a nuclear bomb, he's okay with that. Yeah. His his number one priority is saving the is the country's safety and the respect for the presidency. Right. And even even after the whole fiasco with Logan, Charles Logan, <laughs> this this disgracing the presidency, Jack still has respect for the presidency. It's just like you said, he doesn't necessarily respect the man in the position, but he respects the position of the presidency. Right. And he would ne- and he would never do anything to go against that. Right. And I and I and I and I think that even though he had issues with if you if you think about it throughout the entire seasons, President Palmer, President David Palmer is really the only president that at some point or another he did not have a, a, a spat with or an argument with. Right. The the other presidents he always respected the presidency, but he he had several disagreements with people running the office. The only person that he had unwavering support from was President Palmer. Right. You know, and I think you're right. And I think with that in mind, I don't think there's any president except for Palmer that Jack would have done anything for. I mean, you know, Palmer. I, I say this a, a bit tongue in cheek, but. Palmer could have called Jack and said, Jack, I need you to bring me some Krispy Kreme donuts now. 
And Jack would have been like, all right, Mr. President, can I have one too? You know, but any of the other presidents, I think there's things that he, they could have asked him to do, and he would have just said, no, that's that's across the line. I'm not doing it. And I think it's because he could never, never completely believe that they were doing 100% what was right for the country. He was never sure that, that they were completely dedicated to what was best for the country. And I, and I think Palmer proved to him that he certainly did have that in mind. They may agree with how to do it, but he always knew that President Palmer was going to do what was best for the country in his mind. And I think that was the difference. Yeah, I, I think the other presidents throughout the other seasons, he always, like I said, had respect for the presidency. Right. And he always did what was supposed to be done to keep the respect of the presidency. But I think David Palmer was the only president that you could say was also Jack's friend. Correct. You know, he, he, he was the president, but he was also Jack's friend. Which you which you could see, you know, displayed evidently by the end of season four when Jack faked his death. Right. David Palmer was the one that tipped him off. That, you know, Logan's gonna have you killed. Yeah. So do do what you need to do. <laughs> right. So I think even even though Wayne Palmer was was David's brother and, you know, he also had respect for Jack because of the years that he served David, I don't even think that they could they they had the same relationship because at the beginning of the season, the very first episode, Wayne's giving up Jack to be killed. Right. Yeah. And that and you and you could tell right off the bat that is something David would have never allowed to have happened. Right. I mean he 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 authorized Nina Myers to kill Jack, but when you when you look back on it. He did that to set a trap for Nina. Right. Because you, you saw Jack started walking out because Jack knew that people were coming in. Mm-hmm. So Jack basically lured Nina out into the open so they could capture her. Correct. So Dave, David would have never, because of his friendship with Jack, not just for the fact that Jack served him, but for his friendship with Jack, David would have never would have never authorized anything that could have potentially put Jack's life in danger right. and vice versa. Right. So let's touch on, uh, let's touch on one more thing about season one and then, and then we're going to talk a little bit David Fury here. Um, yeah. One thing that I, I don't think that, that, you know, Josh and I touched on enough and I'm not blaming Josh. I, it's just as much me, but the background story of Jack and his reputation at CTU was the fact that he had basically turned in, you know, several CTU agents for taking bribes and, you know, taking kickbacks. And, and he kind of has it. It's funny because at the beginning, very beginning of the season, he kind of has that Boy Scout, I guess, everybody's looking at him as being, you know, the brown noser or, you know, the tattletale. And, and it's interesting that that comes back to into play several times during season one. Um, you know, it's mentioned right at the beginning. It's, you know, Mason brings it up. Um, you have, uh, what was his name? The uh, CTU agent in the park that shoots the guy that they were meeting with. Oh, what was his name? I just lost it again. We talked about I him last time. I forget his name, but, you know I, but I, know, I know who he is, though. But, I mean, you know, he was flipping crap crap to Jack the entire time they're doing that, you know, operation. And and so how do you think – I mean, they never really completely tell you what happened, but they kind of hint at it over and over. You know, and, and I think – doesn't Mike Novick mentions it to Palmer that – uh you know, he had done this or something. I can't remember, but how does that affect how we look at Jack in season one, do you think? 
Well, I think I think that the the ironic part about it is is that Jack that Jack in the beginning of the season because he turned in those CTU agents, and it's kind of it's kind of funny because everybody looked at him in the in the beginning of the season as this tattletale, the Boy Scout. You know, he turned he turned in you know several CTU agents for breaking the rules. Right. And then in the in the later seasons, it it it's, it's turned out that Jack is the main rule breaker of the ball. Right. Ball. right. So I thought that was the ironic part about it, but Jack Jack told Nina, you know, after he had incapacitated Mason for thirty minutes or an hour or whatever it was, he told Nina that you know those guys that I turned in, those 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 were not bad guys. Right. They were good they were good guys, but they got compromised once. Right. And I think and I think that was the problem eventually with with Tony in season seven. Right. Tony was Tony was a good guy, but he just got compromised one time. Right. And that's all and that's all it took was to get compromised one time. Because then then you're okay with compromising again. Right. And again and again and again. And I think that was that was how, how we viewed Jack through the first through the first, I think, four or five episodes. Mm-hmm. And then the last seventeen or eighteen episodes, we looked at Jack completely different. Right. Because you you knew within the first four or five episodes that okay, Jack's not this Boy Scout after all. <laughs> you know, he he he's willing to do whatever it takes to get the job done. Well, it you know it's it's hard to remember now that we've you know we've known Jack for so many years, I guess. But looking back at if I would have started watching at that point, I would have had a totally different view of what Twenty Four was about in those first few episodes. Because, like you said, you had this view of Jack. You know, he walked even when he walks around CTU, you kind of got that feeling that nobody really was his friend. Nobody really was sure how to act around him because, well, you know, is he going to turn me in for this or? You know, am I going to do some little thing wrong and he's going to run to Mason right away or run to Chappelle right away and complain? You know, and, and it's interesting to see, like you said, how that how that changes. But at the same time, throughout the season, it comes back up and comes back up, you know, and it's kind of a thorn in his side. You know, people responding or reacting because of this, you know, this thing that he did, you know, turning in, turning in these guys. But you're right. I think that turning point is when he's talking to Nina. And he basically says, look, they're not bad guys. You know, they weren't. I didn't have anything against them personally, you know, but at the same time, you know, we can't just let that happen because then everything goes to hell, basically, I think is what he was saying. And I think and I think that was the I think that was the only time throughout the entire season that that Jack really addressed. Right. Um, the issue of the kickbacks. Right. And the reason he turned in those agents, because. It's it's like in the in the very I think it was the very first episode when uh, Walsh was telling Jack that he wanted Jack to find out who the mole was. Right. And Jack and Jack, and Jack was like, Richard, <laughs> I I just turned in a bunch of CTU agents for taking kitbacks. I don't think they're even trust even, me. even if there is a mole, I'm not going to get anywhere near it. Right. But it's interesting. So, it's interesting too that that Walsh at that point says, "Look, I can't trust anybody else." You know, and I think there was I think even though people were a little bit on edge with Jack. I think everybody understood that the line that he drew was profiting yourself, you know, because for whatever rules Jack broke throughout the seasons, he never got anything himself. You know, he never got any money. He never got anything, you know, that was never important to him and he would have never crossed that line. 
And, and it seems like that's the line that he drew with the CTU agents was, you know, look, they're they're taking money. You know, they're profiting themselves on this, and that's not right. Yes. So and and and, and Jack Jack never has a problem with you bending the rules, as long as you're bending the rules to benefit either the country or to benefit a greater cause. Right. If you start breaking the rules to benefit yourself, we got that's you. when he has the problem. Right. Like Jack Jack, when when Tony was convicted of treason. In season three, mm-hmm. Jack Jack stood Jack with the bat for him because Tony didn't break Tony didn't commit treason for himself. Right. He he committed treason to save his wife, and and I think and I think Jack when you go back to season one, Jack was doing the same thing. Right. He he was he was basically going against the government to save his wife and his daughter. Yeah, he'd been so there. He I, think, I th- so I think so I think Jack could relate to tony for right. that fact right but then when you see in season seven when jack finds out all that tony did to basically benefit himself yes that that's that's when that's when jack told tony that you know when this is all over you're gonna have to face the consequences yeah for everything for everything that you've done right jack 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 will go to bat for you if you break the rules as long as you're benefiting a greater cause right he, he he's not he's not in the business of benefiting yourself at the expense of others. Right. So let's uh let's use that as a transition and let, let's talk about David Fury for a second here at the end. Uh, so, my buddy. So uh, <laughs> yeah, are you are you guys uh best friends now? What's the what's the deal there? <laughs> yeah yeah he I'm I'm st- I'm still waiting on a Christmas card from him. But. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so a little background. Uh, go back and and listen to earlier podcast episodes if if you haven't got the background here, but. Since Joel is the president of the Bring Back Tony Revolution, um, he has been foremost in tweeting the um, writers, the directors. The um, have have you tweeted Carlos Bernard personally about this? Yes. Okay. I have. As I figured fact, so. As a matter of fact, I, tweet, I tweeted him about two or three times, ha- and Keith for some of them. Has he responded? He responded to one when I asked him. Um, I think it was right around the time that the news of 24 coming back first came out uh-huh. and I sent a tweet to Carlos Bernard asking him, has he heard anything about Tony Almeida coming back? And all he said was no. Oh, okay. <laughs> so that, that, that right. was pretty much, that was pretty much the extent of the conversation between me and Carlos Bernard. Right. So I, I want to, I feel like between you, Joel and Josh and I in the podcast, we've kind of started this bring back Tony um, party. And you know we have a Somebody hashtag. We have a hashtag now, um, hashtag Bring Back Tony. And so, along with that, about a week ago now, it looks like it looks like it was on the 16th. Um, David Fury all of a sudden tweets, um, and this is what he says. I'll just read it, and then we'll uh, get get Joel's response here. He says, "If one more person asks me to bring back bring Tony Almeida back, just one." Then I will not bring Tony Almeida back. Let it be on your heads. So <laughs> <laughs> he he was fairly fairly adamant that um and I think the underlying thing is I am tired of everybody asking me to bring back Tony Almeida. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You 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 didn't see you didn't see him make a tweet about Chloe O'Brien. No, no. And I'm pretty I'm pretty sure I'm pretty sure there was a fair amount of people asking him to bring back Chloe. Right. So. 
let's uh, let's give you the opportunity on this stage, Joel, to to respond to David Fury. If David Fury is standing in front of you and he tells you, "I am not bringing Tony back," Joel, if you ask me one more time to bring Tony back, what would you say? I would say, well, if you would announce that you've already brought back Tony Almeida, I wouldn't have to tweet you every day to bring back Tony Almeida. Okay. Tony Tony Almeida is, I mean, you're bringing back Chloe. Right. You're bringing bringing back Audrey, obviously. Right. The president is going to be a returning character, so that's the third character that you're bringing back. But you have yet to announce the return of the character with the third most appearances. Right. Carlos Bernard has appeared in 115 episodes. Only 10, only 10 behind Chloe. Right. He has appeared in 115 episodes. He would not have appeared in 115 episodes if he wasn't a valuable part of that show. And if people didn't like him. <laughs> if, if nobody liked him, he would not have appeared in 115 episodes. Right. So that is why... You know, when 24 was the first announced to come back, I've, I've actually been on the Bring Back 20 Revolution ever since the end of season eight. Nice. When, when, when they were talking about when they were talking about when the rumors came out about a movie. Right. About the 24 movie. That's when I first started the, the Bring Back 20 Revolution, because if you're going to bring back a two hour movie about 24, I want Tony Almeida in that movie. Right. Because the way. The way it happened, the way it ended in season seven, and I even told David Fury this, the way it ended in season seven left a bad taste in a lot of people's mouths. Right. Because there was no resolution to the story. Mm-hmm. Alan Wilson was caught. He was beaten half to death by Renee Walker, but you never saw him again. Mm-hmm. He, he was the mastermind behind the deaths of Michelle Dessler and David Palmer and the attempted death of Tony Almeida. And yet we only saw him for like 10 minutes. Mm-hmm. And Tony confronted him for like 30 seconds before he got shot. Right. You know? So I think that that story had so much more life. Like we could have found out so much more. Like throughout, throughout every season after um, the death of David Palmer and Michelle Dessler, you found, you found a new leg in the conspiracy. Right. Like when he when he first when Palmer and and Michelle Dessler first died, we all thought that Charles Logan was the one behind it. Right. But then but then it was revealed that okay, Graham was the the voice behind Charles Logan. Mm-hmm. And then we found out that okay, Christopher Henderson was the hitter that Graham had hired to put the hit out on David Palmer and Michelle Dessler. Right. And then we found out that. In the in the last se- in season seven, that's when we found out that Alan Wilson was the man behind it all, right? Behind behind Graham, behind Christopher Henderson, behind Charles Logan, he was the man behind it all. And I thought that so much more could have been told with that. Mm-hmm. Like we 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 could have found out, you know, how Alan Wilson set it all up, right? You know, how long how long did he plan it, or how long did it take him to put the plan into motion? Mm-hmm. Did did he did he stalk Michelle Dessler? Did he stake out David Palmer? There's there's so many things that we could have found out, and we could have gotten a, a better backstory on Graham, Christopher Henderson, and Charles Logan as to how this plan was put into motion. Right. And I thought that, and I thought there was a lot of a lot of stuff that we could have found out that we never found out. 
mm-hmm. because Tony Almeida was shot, taken to prison, and that was it. Right. And I think if they if they didn't have any plans to bring Tony Almeida back, Jack would have just shot him dead. Right. And it would have been it would have been a heartbreaking moment in the season, but it would have been the the resolution that okay, this means Tony is never coming back. Yeah. The end. Yeah. The 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 end basically. Yeah. And here's my thing. Uh, you have David Fury, who's who's fairly adamant, but my consolation as far as possibly bringing bringing Tony back, and you and I have talked about odds. I think I said about seventy five percent that I thought, um, and I, I think where are you at? Sixty five? Did you say sixty? I'm about I'm about sixty forty okay. on Tony Almeida, on, on okay. them bringing Tony Almeida back because you know David Fury said that he's in the midst of writing episode two. Yeah. So if he if he's in the midst of writing episode two, then he's probably already got it in his mind whether Tony's coming back or not. Right. But you know, so then, and well, and here's my consolation. Here here's the way I look at it. My first thing is when they announced Chloe, they said we don't believe any other characters are going to be coming back. Now since then we've been told by David Fury that the president is somebody we know, and that they've signed Kim Raver to play Audrey Rains again. So that's obviously changed very quickly from what they initially thought. So that's my first thing that I'm like, okay, there's there's hope. My second thing is I know for a fact that the writers and the producers and, and probably even the actors, they pay attention to what the fans want. And and even David Fury also says, you know, well, we just go where the you know, where the story takes us. You know, nobody's yeah. nobody's safe and at the same time nobody's guaranteed not to come back. You know, so I think coupled with the fact that everybody wants him to come back, whether David Fury likes it or not, or whether he admits it or not, I think he likes the attention. <laughs> and maybe yeah. he's going to get mad at me, and I might get a tweet for this. But, you know, I <laughs> let's be honest. This is a TV show, and they're making money on it. And yeah. this is advertising. This is marketing. I, I cannot believe that David Fury does not, part of him, love the fact that so much talk is being so much focus is being given to 24 whether it's about Tony Almeida or somebody else you know that's good yeah. that's good for that's good for him that's good for the other writers that's good for Fox and you know I and and I think you too we're all happy about that we're all happy that that we're giving um some some publicity to 24 coming back and so that's my other thing that I think gives it hope that Tony's going to come back is the fact that we may never find out until he walks on screen. Um, you know, because, and I, and I think I mentioned that to Josh in the first or second episode as well, that, that, uh, you know, that, that's going to be a surprise. I think, you know, they're going to do their best to keep it under wraps if he shows up, because it'll be cool to hear, Hey, you know, Carlos Bernard signed to do 24, but it'll be cooler if we're in episode five and all of a sudden, you know, Carlos, you know, Jack Bauer walks into a building and, you know, Tony's sitting there or something. I don't know how it's going to happen, but, I mean, you, you got to admit you're going to cheer out loud, Joel, when that happens. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> and and I think and I think David Fury kind of tipped his hand a little bit in that tweet, right? Because he said that if one more person asked me to bring Tony Almeida back, then I will not bring Tony Almeida back. So that pretty much tells us that y'all were thinking about bringing Tony Almeida back anyway, right? So we had Howard to Gordon, it out. How, <laughs> Howard Gordon said in an interview. Anybody who is not dead is still in play. Right. And the 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 guy that said that 
he doesn't think any other returning characters are going to come back. I think his name is Kevin Riley. Yeah, he's like the head of Fox production or something, right? Yeah, and, and that's and that's exactly the point. He's the head of Fox. Right. He's not the one writing the shows. So he so, doesn't know. Right. <laughs> how, how is he supposed to know nobody's coming back unless he talked to the writers? Right. You know, the the Howard Gordon, um, John Caster, uh, David Fury, Manny Cotto, um, who else? Who else am I leaving out? I think those are the main ones. Oh, and Brian Gla- Brian Glazer, Gazer. Uh-huh. Those are the ones that if they say nobody else is coming back, then you take it to the bank. Oh, because don't... those are the one those are the ones that are writing the shows. Don't forget Joel Cernow, too. Oh yeah, Joel Cernow. I forgot about him. He's the main one. And no and and not to downplay it, but Kiefer, Kiefer Sutherland and Carlos Bernard are really good friends outside of the show. I would imagine. I mean, yeah, I, I I think I think Carlos Bernard even said during an interview during one of the seasons that they actually lived together at one point during the season. Nice. They were they were actually they were actually roommates for for a brief time during the seasons. Right. Carlos Bernard Carlos Bernard and Kiefer Sutherland are very good friends, and I think Kiefer was actually the main driving point behind bringing Tony Almeida back in season seven. So, so so come on, Kiefer, help us out. <laughs> and I've tweeted Kiefer too. I haven't gotten a response from him, but I've tweeted him too. We we need so, a response from at the real Kiefer to bring back Tony as well. Yes, that that that's I've tweeted every single writer and producer of Twenty Four. The only one that hasn't responded at some point or another is Kiefer. And who was it? So, Did, wasn't somebody on Twitter the other day made the comment that the only person that can tell David Fury to bring back bring back Tony is Jack Bauer. Yeah, he, yeah, I think I think I, re, I read that too. That Jack Bauer is the only one that can tell, you know, at the David Fury to bring back Tony Almeida and get away with it. <laughs> <laughs> so that that I I think I I put it I put it to the bank. If Kiefer Sutherland goes up to David Fury or Howard Gordon or one of the writers and says, "I want Carlos Bernard back for season nine, you can better believe Carlos Bernard will be back for That's season right. nine. That's right. I think so. <laughs> okay. Well, uh, let's uh, let's go ahead and wrap up. I appreciate it so much, Joel. It's been fun to to talk with you and and get the perspective that you have. And uh, sure appreciate you taking the time. And oh, no, no, no l- problem. How how can people uh, how can people connect with you? What what's the Twitter handle? The Twitter handle is at Gifted Money. Um, my you know if, if you want to if you want to reach me by email to discuss twenty four or what have you. You know, my email is joelwood25 at gmail.com. Um, and, you know, it's, it's, it's been fun. I'm all, I'm always up to discuss any season of 24 if, if you all want to have me back in the future. Perfect. Um, no, pro- no problem to me. Perfect. You know, I ain't got nothing to do. <laughs> <laughs> well, we, we certainly appreciate it. And, you know, like we've mentioned before, and, and we've mentioned you on a few different podcast episodes because, you know, we have a, we have a lot of conversations on Twitter. And, you know, we, we talk about it. Josh and I have talked about a lot of stuff, a lot of our predictions that we think is going to happen in Season 9. But really, if folks want to get the full discussion, they need to be following following at the 24 Podcast on Twitter. They need to be following you, Joel, at Gifted Money, and uh, also me. And my Twitter handle is at SCROP2, S-K-R-O-P-P, at, or 2. And we have a lot of conversations, and there's a lot of people chipping in. There's a lot of... Uh, I would say there's a lot of predictions. There's a lot of hopes. Um, there's a lot of uh, hashtag bring back Tony. And 
you know, it's a lot of fun. And, and that's been one of the most fun parts for me beyond just recording this podcast has been connecting with other 24 fans and, and being able to, you know, discuss what we think is going to happen, to discuss the news right away. So, you know, if you haven't done so, please, please follow uh, myself, follow the 24 podcast, follow Joel. Um, Josh tweets using the 24 podcast um, Twitter handle. And so that's how you can get a hold of him. Also, we would uh, we'd ask you to head on over to iTunes and give us a review. We um, those those really really help us to be seen for other twenty four fans to find us and um, to help us to I guess get ready for the new season. And the final place would be um, the website, just uh, www.the24podcast.com. Um, go ahead and leave us some feedback there. There's a feedback form to to share with share with us your favorite predictions, to share with us what you want to happen. Um, to I think that would be a place that you could um, become an unofficial member of the Bring Back Tony Revolution. Um, we could mention you, I think, on online on air here as being a member of that revolution if you want us to. And so definitely connect with us. Thanks so much for listening, and we look forward to talking with 24 again next week. Thanks, Joel. All right, no problem.